Revelation chapter number one. And uh, let's go to verse number three. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to be with us tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for this good, good, wonderful day. It's always so wonderful to get together around your word. And because of your word, because of, of who you are, Lord, uh, we gather around in obedience to your command by, by absolute faith in your name, faith in your word. And uh, we're here because of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for this day. Uh, we've never even seen you, Lord. We've never touched you. We've never talked to you personally uh, where you talked back in the flesh. We did, we, we've never even seen you, Lord. But we're here because we love you and we love your church. And we thank you, God, for this I Love My Church Sunday because we do love our church. We ask that you're, you'll be blessing it more and more in the days to come. And we pray that you'll increase our numbers, help us not to lose our spirit, but help us to gain individuals and help us to do the work here in Bellingham and Whatcom County that you'd like to use us for because, you'll, Lord, uh, you're the one that accomplishes your own work in your own way with your own people the way you'd like to do it and we pray and thank you that you've used us these 23 years and we pray that you'll use us more and more to help us lord to know that uh, we're here because we love you and we thank you for this church <clears throat> we thank you for the wonderful incredible people that you brought into our church and we pray and thank you for every single person everyone and we ask god that you'll Bless the families, bless each marriage, bless each individual tonight, and bless our spirit tonight as we take a look at what we're looking forward to to see in the next uh, uh, near future, maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight. Well, we pray that you'll help us, Lord. Until you come, help us to occupy until you, until you come. Help us to strengthen the things that remain and help us to be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, Revelation chapter number 1, verse number 3. It says in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I wonder what time that they were referring to in this chapter where John says the time is at hand. I think that uh, it's really obvious <clears throat> that we have been taught through the Bible, all the apostles, every one of them, when they referred to the coming of the Lord, every one of them felt that in their day, in their lifetime, that the Lord was going to return. And we should never let that, that hope uh, be, be separated from our hearts. We should always expect that the Lord would come back. It's not something that we know and tuck away. It's supposed to be something that we, that we practice all the time. An expectation of the imminent return of Christ. Because as you look in the Bible, John who wrote this book and four others, he wrote the first, second, third John, and then he wrote <clears throat> the Gospel of John, and he wrote Revelation. What an honor that God gave him. Every single apostle felt that Jesus would come back in their day, they expected it to happen. Uh, you and I have the, uh, the ability to look back on history and say, well, he didn't come back then. And it is true that Jesus did not return. Uh, it's been 2,000 years, correct? 
so, so the scholars get together and they say, well, since he didn't return, <coughs> excuse me, he couldn't have returned. Well, the fact is he chose not to, but he could have. He chose not to, but he could have. Remember, there's a doctrine out there that teaches us that Jesus can't come back today because there's got to be some kind of fulfillment of some kind of doctrine or some kind of prophecy that's yet to be fulfilled. And I submit to everyone in this church, listen, we believe that Jesus could come back tonight. There is nothing in the Bible that has to happen that would hinder his return tonight if he wanted to come back. Everything's been done. Um, sure, there's, there's more to do, but there's always going to be more to do. But every single one of the apostles up until the time Paul uh, left the scene when he was beheaded in Rome, they all felt that Jesus was going to come back. That was a hope that they were supposed to pass on to Christianity. That was a hope that was supposed to be given. If a man's crawling in the desert and the sand is all around him, he's just about to die and things are going terrible and he has had no water, do you realize that if, if somebody comes up and promises him, listen, right over that next sand dune, there is a lake over there. Do you think that guy's going to probably make it? I think he will. That hope, uh, now, it's not a false hope that we're giving people. I don't want to liken that to a, a false hope that there's no lake over there for people crawling in the desert. Don't get me wrong. But if there was a true lake over there, it would give you energy to get going and do, go even farther. And some days we're down in the valley and we just need to get back in the Bible and realize, come on, come on, come on. He can come back. He can come back today. I had a senior chief in the Navy used to have us over and, and to his house. And even on a Sunday night after church, we'd sit there and fellowship till 12, 1 o'clock, 2 in the morning. And I said, I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm tired. And you know what him and his wife used to say? Yeah, but you might not have to go to work. Jesus could come back. <laughs> and I thought, hey, that's true. All of a sudden, I want to fellowship more. I think he used that as a tool to just keep drinking coffee and talk about stories. But anyway, those days are gone. But, you know, that hope is not supposed to be taken away. Now, the greatest power of communication in today's uh, day and age, there are several outlets. Um, but we have a, we have, we have a, a big, huge uh, array of radio stations all over America. We've got the television uh, media and uh, all kinds of TV shows, all kinds of, of communication. Uh, Hollywood movies are, uh, it's amazing because Hollywood movies, they come out with some crazy Hollywood movie and all of a sudden in one weekend they've got 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars people spend and uh, just like that, lickety split. So there's a, there's a lot of power. But what I noticed is no matter what news organization, no matter what radio or television or whatever powerful government uh, media there is, uh, no matter what it is, have you ever noticed that they don't like to talk much about Jesus? They just about talk about every other thing under the sun. And if God gets a nice little mention once in a while, it's never in depth. Never in depth. Jesus is coming back. He's not to be ignored. He's supposed to be proclaimed. He's not supposed to be tucked away somewhere where you never hear about him. Uh, Brother Fountain, 
in <coughs> Moses Lake, uh, he met a representative of this, this uh, Washington state representative. He met, he met one of the representatives out there in Moses Lake, and they made friends, and he, he came to his church a little bit, and he made friends with him. So uh, <coughs> one time he went back to uh, Washington, D.C. for Capital Connection, and they actually uh, made even more friends. They visited him in his, uh, his, his uh, I think they both went together. Anyway, <coughs> down in, Wa in Olympia, uh, he was a brand new uh, congressman uh, in the state congress. He invited Pastor Fountain to come to the state capitol, as I told you a couple of years ago, to pray. And the new uh, senators and the new congressmen get to pick a pastor to come and pray at the state capitol to open up the day of legislation. And so they warned Brother Fountain. They warned him, <clears throat> you can pray, but don't mention Jesus. That's nuts, isn't it? How do you pray without mentioning Jesus? I don't think I ever have done that. But uh, Brother Fountain was really gracious. He said, well, we'll take care of that. No problem. Don't you worry about a thing. He gave the whole gospel in his prayer in the name of Jesus. And I wish, I, I wish they had it on tape. But you see, we shouldn't tuck this away. We should, uh, we should keep this hope alive. We have a hope that endures. We have a hope that purifies our life. And, and in Revelation chapter 3 or chapter 1, let's continue on for a minute. I want to show you something. And this is uh, the crux of the message tonight. In verse number 4, it says... To the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now this next verse, watch this. This is powerful. Behold, <coughs> he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I mean, that's like saying, even so, bring it on. Yeah, the whole world, I don't care what outlet it is, they're trying to hide Jesus. They don't want to talk about him. Please don't mention his name. If you're going to pray, please make it milk toast and don't pray in his name. Uh, you'll offend everybody else. Listen. Uh, we're, that all that's going to be washed away one day and the, the whole world is going to wail and howl, but you and I aren't going to. How many would be glad if Jesus did come back today? Do you see you've been brainwashed? You've been well doctrinated and brainwashed because you believed that Jesus could come back. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. What's wrong with having a clean brain? I've had my brain washed. How many have had your brain washed? It's clean now. Amen. I like having a clean brain. Nothing wrong with that at all. 
<laughs> I know Jesus is coming back. I'm excited to see him. See, it's not enough to just mention the word God. Uh, and and we, we ought to be very careful how we talk about God. In all these outlets that I've mentioned, uh, they, they will mention from time to time a little nice little statement about God. But when it comes down to the point where they talk about Jesus Christ, now you're in trouble. Now you're really done it. And they don't like that. And so that's okay. That's all right. When the name of Jesus is mentioned, all of a sudden, everybody starts howling. Everybody starts getting upset. And everybody says, oh, you're one of those Bible thumper. You're strict. You're, you're a religious zealot. Oh, my goodness, you're one of those. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with uh, having that good separation down where you work or whatever you do. If you have to be in private, that's fine. Listen, I don't, I don't think anybody ought to just go out and deliberately lose your job because you're preaching on the job. If that's how you do it, then why aren't you pastoring, right? Or why aren't you on the mission field? How many understand? You could get in trouble. I don't think you should. I got in trouble. I got in real bad trouble one time. <clears throat> but I was in the military, so you can't get fired. Uh, you just get reassigned, right? <laughs> Like, stay away from that guy. Uh, I, but, you know, I, I don't think I'd have gone very far uh, in today's day and age. I don't think I'd have made it very far. Uh, you know, I, I think they would have ousted me somehow, some way. And that's okay. I don't mind that. But I want you to see something. Listen, it's okay. It's okay to talk about Jesus and to mention his name. If you do it in the perfect area of, of your life where God is using you, the speaking the truth of, of God in love, doing it the right way. Uh, how many understand this Bible could be very offensive if you don't use it right? Have you ever accidentally offended anybody? I have. Listen, you talk as much as I do, you're going to offend somebody. And you're going to do it accidentally too. But if you, if you endeavor to talk about the Lord, don't be surprised if accidentally you might use a verse that... You know, it might, it might be just a little bit too sharp for somebody, you know. And that's, that happens. But that's not what we want to do. We don't want to go around taking out our sword like, you know. Uh, and there's some people like that. And you got to stay away from that. You don't want to go around slashing and cutting and, and digging people. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And sometimes we can be really dangerously vicious with the word of God, you know. There's been times. I know a pastor. He was... <laughs> He had a couple come to him and they wanted a, a Christian marriage. They were both saved and he, he kind of messed up on this one. I think he did something really bad. But they came to his office and they said, Pastor, we'd like you to marry us. With, uh, we, we want a real Christian marriage. And he said, why? You don't act like Christians. So they left. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess he had to learn the hard way. Amen. Be careful how you use the Bible. Be careful. It's supposed to be something where you, you do use it skillfully. Apples of uh, gold in pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken. There's nothing better than a timely word just placed just in the right spot. Amen? And just uh, there's something uh, really compassionate about Christianity when you do it the right way. And you say, uh, you know, people used to come to me and uh, uh, they, 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 they would jeer and persecute and yell and scream and, and, and make it look like they hated me. Uh, but then when it was one-on-one -on -one in private, 
they many times were in tears and they'd get counsel, you know, when, when nobody was watching. Peer pressure is a horrible thing. So down where you work, you know, you, but the, the Bible says that the name of Jesus is powerful and uh, every eye shall see him one day. We're going to rise to the top and everybody in the whole world's going to have to come to grips with this wonderful Lord Jesus who we've been bragging on for 45 years. Amen. I mean, Brother Carlson's been saved for 45 years. It's, it's just amazing. But, you know, it's almost like you and I have to be careful. And uh, one day we're not going to be careful anymore. We're not going to be careful. We're going to be uh, shouting from the highest mountain and we're going to be praising him. Up and down the streets, his name's going to ring in Jerusalem. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everybody in the whole world. In fact, uh, we're going to be in the majority one day, right? How many understand, right? You're going to be in the majority one day. And we're going to be bragging on him and praising him and telling everybody what he's done for us. Look at Philippians chapter 2. So, church is really... All about what Jesus is doing for you. Somebody said, hey, come as you are. Come any way you are. Come to church however you are. And you're welcome no matter how you are. Come right on in and come to church as you are. But don't be surprised if God doesn't let you stay that way. Right? How many know that God has changed your life since you met him? And he's working in you. And that's because of that precious name. And so, yes, every eye shall see him. But we, uh, we, we're looking forward to that day because we've been talking about him all these years. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. How many names? Every name. There's no name in the world higher than Jesus Christ. And I like, uh, I like saying that. Don't you like just saying the word Jesus? I mean, uh, there, there was a time when I was a brand new Christian. And I think I told you just not too long ago. I was laying in my bunk and things were really bad. I was being persecuted. I could, I, there's so many things that they were doing to me. And I, I wondered why I was going through that trial. It was harsh. Uh, one guy took a sewing needle and put it in my rack and my bunk. You know, they had the foam mattresses. They were only about that thick. He put a, he lifted it up and put a sewing needle up and there was a, a trick, a dirty, rotten, filthy trick. And uh, you couldn't see it. So I came uh, about by 12 o'clock one night. I got off watch and I was tired. I went and took a shower and got, got all ready for bed. And every, everybody was all sleeping. I uh, rolled into my rack and I was, ah! Oh, and that needle, I laid down on that needle. So this, this was a valley for me, you understand. It was a deep valley. I, I reached back there and I, what in the world is that? And I pulled that thing out of my back and somebody put a sewing needle. I, I just threw it in the trash and I rolled over and I started praying. And I said, Lord Jesus, I love you. I, I love you, Lord Jesus. It's you're wonderful. I just started praising God because that's the only the only person I knew <laughs> that knew what I was going through, and uh, He's been there for me every time I've ever had a battle, every time I've ever had a valley. He's been there with me every single day of my life. 
He doesn't sleep. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He watches over us night and day. Nobody else does that. Only God. And he says in verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's very inclusive, isn't it? So every tongue, what about people that don't have a tongue? They're going to get a new one so they can praise God. What about people that don't have knees? They're going to get brand new knees. I'm going to see my mom Tuesday. She's got her second knee uh, just, just came in the mail. And she just got, she's, got, she's got two brand new knees now. And um, I'm, I'm going to show her that verse. Amen. But she's, she's exercising. She's out of the hospital now. She's going home. And uh, she just had her second knee replaced. So she's all excited and doing well. But I'm going to go see her Tuesday. But every day. So you say, I know people that don't have knees. Well, God's going to make sure that the, those knees are put back and then they're going to bow to Jesus. Amen. Every single tongue, every single knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus. So we have beat the crowd, if you will. We beat the crowd, didn't we? We beat the crowd. We're already praising God. Look at Acts chapter 4. Back in the exciting days of the book of Acts when they were taking the gospel around the world, Paul was going all over, making new trips. He made uh, four or five missionary journeys. Uh, the brand new gospel was going around the world. People were getting saved and baptized. Cities were being turned over upside down. <coughs> People were getting healed by the power of God, which uh, I, wish, I wish we still had that. Uh, boy, would we ever use that. But uh, the gospel was accompanied by miracles and, and uh, tremendous things that were happening. People were being raised from the dead. Leprosy was healed. All kinds of different miracles were accompanying the, the spread of the gospel. But look now in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. Right after there was a, a healing, they started to persecute the church, persecute Peter and, uh, and the apostles and there was a big scattering. They, they left Jerusalem and uh, it was a terrible scene, but that's how God used the gospel to get to the world. They were, they were in deep persecution. But look with me in verse number one of chapter four. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. <clears throat> and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. That's, that's jail. They went to jail. They were in the hold. Howbeit, verse 4, many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about, what? 5,000 people. My goodness gracious, don't you wish those days would happen right here? You know, it's amazing, isn't it? The same exact word of God is preached every Sunday by good churches all over this county and good people believe this book and yet for some reason we can't seem to get 5,000 people saved. I'd like that, wouldn't you? 5,000 believed. Now I know it's a miracle, but it was the beginning of this new gospel, this good news. How hungry were those people? Verse 5, and it came to pass the morrow 
that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? <laughs> that's, that's an open door of testimony, amen? Oh my goodness, these guys, they had it so... So wonderful. What, where did you get this power? And by what name, what authority do you think you're doing this? What, oh my goodness, what an open door. What they were saying was preach to me. Verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people in Israel, of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Look at verse 12, I love this. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, that's a wonderful thing that Peter got to do. And uh, I, he must have been shaking in his boots a little bit, I think. That's a tough crowd to preach to. I've tried to witness to Hasidic Jews. They're very, they're very nice until you start talking about the Messiah. <laughs> And how they, they need a Messiah. Oh, they'll agree with that. But when you say they miss the Messiah, oh, you've got an argument on your hands. You have entered into the buzzsaw. But even, even so, we have Jesus, don't we? And we have him. And we'll always have him. And he's ours. He's our Savior. Thank God for it. Thank God for your salvation. But let's imagine, though, the shock and the awe that's coming uh, as we look, look at Luke 17 for just a minute. And I won't be long. We're doing great for time. Luke 17. And verse 22. Imagine this with me tonight. Just try to, try to uh, imagine and pretend for a minute. And try to get in your mind's eye, your picture. Picture this happening as uh, Jesus explains what's going to happen. Verse 22 of chapter 17. Jesus said this while he was on the earth. He said, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here, or see he there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven, shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in His day. There will be no mistaking when Jesus comes. There won't be a doubt about it in the world. But first must He suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. <clears throat> now watch this, folks. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark 
and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now you and I won't be here for this. We're going to be already raptured out. We're going to be taken up into heaven. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 50, uh, 15, 51, and, and thereabouts. We're going to be gone. The Bible tells very clearly we're going to be taken up and caught out of the way. But when this day comes, look at, look at how the world is going to be. They're going to be eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage. They're going to be uh, just going about their normal day. And uh, until the flood came and destroyed them all, he says, likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. See, life is going to go on just like normal. And then all of a sudden, it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. It's going to hit them like, they, like a thief in the night. They're not going to know it even happened. Until it happens, you and I, we're not going to be there. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Verse 29 says, But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, there uh, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Listen, there's so much mystery involved in the coming of the Lord. It's very controversial. But I want to give you tonight, as we close in this uh, message tonight, I want to give you a little order that you can write down. There's seven parts to it. Number one, the next thing to happen on the, on the, uh, the uh, I guess you could say, the, the, the calendar of events for the Lord, the very next thing to happen is the very thing that they expected to happen back in the Bible. When Jesus went up, he said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? For this same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11. And that's what we're going to look for, the coming of the Lord. He's going to come for us, and we call it the rapture. If you don't want to use that term, that's fine, but you're going to be caught away. That's, that's actual biblical scriptural word, the catching away. We'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That's the first thing that we should expect. The very first thing. Number two, after that, our own personal judgments at the judgment seat of Christ. After you get raptured, you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to answer for everything you've ever done and you will be judged fairly and righteously and purely by the hand of Jesus. Nobody else is going to be there. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ like everyone else. I'm going to stand before the Lord personally, privately, between me and Jesus. He's going to judge me and he's going to tell me every single thing I've ever done. 
and you might mark it down. He's got the ability to freeze time, doesn't he? Time shall be no more. There's not, he's not going to be late. He's going to take very, very care and concern and compassion. He's going to judge you righteously. How many understand if you're going to be judged, you ought to be judged by Jesus? He's the only one that loves you like nobody else. And perfect love casts out fear, as 1 John 4 says, and because uh, fear has torment. You shouldn't fear the Lord like that. You should have a healthy, wonderful fear for Him, but you shouldn't be scared of Him. You shouldn't run from Him. You should, you should want to, to bring yourself before His feet. Number three, not only the judgment seat, but then after that comes the seven years of worldwide conflagration. We call it the Great Tribulation. The tribulation is not started yet. Understand, you're not in the tribulation. Everybody, you understand you're not in it yet? Um, you might have tribulation of sorts. Jesus said when that day comes, there's nothing like it before. There's not going to be anything like it after. The tribulation is a period of time that the world does not want to go through. But they're going to go through it. But you and I won't be there. You and I are not appointed to wrath. We're not in trouble. We're the precious, wonderful bride of Christ, like we said this morning. We're his body. We're the love of his life. We're the apple of his eye. He's not going to drag us through all that terrible war and bloodshed and conflagration. And, and, and we're not going to have to go through some great, big, huge, fiery trial and come out on the other end all purified. No, no, we're not purified by conflagration and tribulation. You and I are purified by the blood of Jesus. And he purifies you by himself. He purifies you every day. And by the way, he's taken out all your wrinkles and all your blemishes. And when he presents the church to himself, as we said this morning, it's going to be without blemish, without spot. It's going to be wonderful. So uh, don't think for a minute that Christians have to endure seven years of tribulation. We're not going to be here. After that, number four, is this horrible thing called Armageddon. You can read about it. It's the most horrible battle in the whole world. We counted in the Bible 200 million foot soldiers. 200 million foot soldiers. The numbers are in the Bible. The blood will rise up in the valley of, of Megiddo uh, up to the horse's bridle. You and I won't have to be there. You don't have to worry about that. The Bible says we're going to be with Jesus. And Jesus is going to be fine with us. We'll be with him. Yeah, that's all scripture. It's very easy to prove that in the Bible. But then after that battle, guess what happens? Satan gets bound for a thousand years. They're going to chain him up. Toss him into the bottomless pit. And Jesus is going to take up rulership in Jerusalem on the throne of David. And we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. How many think we might need a little change in governmental uh, policies? Amen. Do, how, how would you like to have a whole huge government of people that love Jesus? <laughs> I'd say the earth is going to ring. It's going to be a lot better. Then, number six, not only that, but then the great white throne judgment. That's when Satan is loosed for a little season. He tries to deceive even the Christians, even the elect, even the Jews. 
Everybody that's been wonderfully treated for a thousand years in the reign of Jesus Christ, Satan's going to be loosed again to try to, uh, to, to uh, uh, de deceive them. And uh, Jesus is going to wipe him out with the word of his mouth. And then, number seven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we will go usher, be ushered into the glory of God, into the city, the new Jerusalem coming down. That's the seven parts, the seven steps right now. What's the first step? What are we looking for? We're looking for the rapture. That's not because I said it. That's because God said it in the Bible. Don't let anybody take that hope away from you. Keep that hope until the very end. So why are we taking an offering tonight? Why are we going to church? Why are we trying to build Evergreen Baptist Church? What are we doing here? Well, I'll tell you what we're doing here. The Bible says, like it said in this morning, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you want to have a blessing in your life, the Bible says, all the families of the earth are blessed through the faith of Abraham. You know what we're doing tonight? We're, we're keeping the light on. We're keeping, we're keeping the fire lit. We're keeping the light going. We're keeping the gospel going. We're keeping faithful. We're keeping the campfire lit. We're keeping the bonfire going. And we're trying to get people under the sound of the gospel. That's why we have a church. Because one day, one day they won't have a church. If Jesus came back tonight, do you know what this building would turn into? Well, hopefully none of you would be here. But uh, do you know what this would turn into? It'd go right back to where we found it. When we got this building, it was a drug den. I got pictures, and on our 25th anniversary, I'm going to break out this great big video presentation. I'm working on it already. I took 11 mattresses out of this building. I said 11 mattresses. They weren't brand new. This was a flop house. This was a drug den. It's just unbelievable what we had to do to get this place ready to put a church in here. They were doing drugs in here. I, put, I took a sign off the door. It said, uh, pain is a good thing. It was a tattoo parlor, you know. Pain is not a good thing. Nobody's going to scribble on me with an ink gun. Anyway, uh, this was a tattoo parlor, a drug den. You see what we're getting at? And when, if we, the rapture happened tonight, it would turn right back into a flop house. So the devil can have it, amen? But while we're here, let's, let's, let's take care of it. Let's pay for it, amen? I think God will be greatly honored. Let's pray. Father, tonight we pray and thank you for what you've done with us. And we pray and thank you, God, for giving us this wonderful book, this tremendous well of water, of fresh, clean water. Thank you for the fire that's burning in our hearts. Thank you for the tremendous testimonies tonight. And thank you for the fellowship that we have around each other and around the Word of God. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit of God, the fresh anointing of the Spirit of the Lord.